Welcome to the meaning stream. Smash that like. Strap yourself in. It's Meaning Wave Live. With the cure of the dawn. What's up, gang? Welcome to the show. It's Monday. That's mean. That means it's Meaning Wave Life. Meaning Wave Monday. Meaning Wave Life. You getting a special Meaning Wave Life show tonight, baby? Yes, you are. A very special Meaning Wave Life show tonight. Meaning Wave Life reconstruction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Reconstruction. That's the name of the show tonight. Uh, Chief Archivist, Meaning Wave Archivist, Diverting Tales has been going through the uh, archives, gathering together themed, themed, uh, themes. And uh, it says, of tonight's set list, it's a meditation on the importance of working on oneself. 
to not get sucked into fixing what isn't ours to fix as we say as when we save ourselves that's when we save the world which uh, he points out is the genius of that Joseph Campbell album. which is true make some noise for Joseph Campbell make some noise for Joseph Campbell by Joe make some noise for yourself make some noise for Graham Hancock uh, Graham Hancock um, what is this? What is this? yes it is yes it is yes it is uh, Graham Hancock, of course, is the subject of the new album. The subject of and the voice of the new album, which is coming out on February 26th. The first single dropped last week, another single's dropping this week. Uh, the, the good news is, you know, uh, Doctor, 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 Doctor. It's Graham Hancock. Uh, loves the record. Love is the word he used. Love. And uh, I think you're going to love it too. I think you're going to love it too, by Joe. And uh, since, since we're here, why don't we check out the new single? Why don't we check out that new single? And maybe, maybe we'll hear something else from the album. At some point, very soon. Some point, very soon. As always, as always, I'm desperate. I'm desperate for you all to hear it. And also, I don't want to spoil the, uh, the experience of listening to the album for the first time. So I don't want to play too much of it. You know, I've only, so we've, only, we've only played two songs of it so far. Two songs, just two. It's not many, is it? Not many at all. It's not many at all. Anyway, without further ado, let's check it out. Oh, no, 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 no. What am I thinking? And we became... Holy symbolic creatures. There we go, there we go, there we go. Just got to pause on that. Of course. DJ Loudtop is doing all sorts of things simultaneously. You know, you got to chill it out sometimes, otherwise it gets... I guess it gets a bit, a bit intense. Uh, I had no idea it was Super Bowl yesterday. How about that? It was Super Bowl yesterday. I had literally no idea until someone in the chat said something about it being Super Bowl. Isn't that crazy? What a, what a world I live in. Of my own makings. Hey! After six million years of boredom, the evolutionary ascent of our species from the last common ancestor with the chimpanzee, something extraordinary happened to us less than 100,000 years ago, which, by the way, is long after we'd become anatomically modern. It was a kind of emergence into consciousness. We became fully symbolic creatures. Fully symbolic creatures. And we became fully symbolic creatures. Fully symbolic creatures. And this great change has been defined as the single most important step forward in the evolution of human behavior is intimately associated with the emergence of the great and transcendent rock and cave art all around the world. by our ancestors' encounters with visionary plants. We became fully symbolic creatures. Fully 
so many details that make it clear that this was an art of altered states of consciousness, of visions. like the Amanita muscaria mushroom or psilocybin mushroom appear to have been directly connected with this sudden and radical change and we became fully symbolic creatures fully symbolic creatures and we became fully symbolic creatures fully symbolic from the album The War on Consciousness coming February 26th. Akira. studio right now. I feel like all the cameras have moved. Why am I all the way over there? Who's been in here? Who's been in here? Who's been in here moving things? Anyway, shouts out to you like. Um, shouts out to the Meaning Wave uh, Lum line. In which I am resplendent and cozy today. Feeling very cozy, very yellow. Looking like some kind of like meaningful Teletubby, you know? Uh. <laughs> Yo! Crikey Dallas says Sidonicus was in here moving your stuff. Who's Sidonicus and why is he in here moving my stuff? My cameras have all moved. What's going on? This one's moved too. What is going on? You can't see the lovely, look at this lovely shirt. Look at this. Amazing. Anyway, how are you guys? How are you? How are you? Is there any Bitcoin left or did Elon buy it all? What's going on? What's going on out there? Yeah. Mason says, and you made me remember I forgot to buy the Elon smoking a fatty meaning wave shirt. Ah, you should get that. I was wearing that earlier. I was wearing that very shirt earlier on today. I was wearing a lot of shirts today because today I was bashing thumbnails, you know. Up here doing million costume changes, and I didn't stream it today, which I felt a bit sad about. Felt a bit sad to not accidentally stream myself uh, batching thumbnail images. You 
Athena. Hey, what's up, B Athena? Is it your whose birthday is it? Whose birthday is it, B Athena? Is it yours? You love it when there's a birthday. You love it when there's a birthday. Happy birthday, B Athena. Hey, since it's your birthday, before we jump into this set, you could get yourself a request. You could get yourself a request. Yes, you could. Yes, you could. What would it be in your birthday? Those, those do seem to be the rules around here, you know? But, Crikey Dallas says, forget crypto, you got to buy Zom. Zom? Zom? Word XP says, Mason, that was a shirt. The Elon one, there is a shirt of that, yes. In the uh, wave art section, which it still needs filling. We still There's so many records, you know, so many records. But the idea is that eventually, all of the records have their own t-shirt, you know? All of them. Whoa. Going wild. Birthday shouts out for B Athena by Joe. Many birthday shouts out for B Athena. Hey, you guys, if you really care about B Athena's birthday, you would smash that like. That's what you would do. You would smash that like. So that people get notifications to come to her birthday party. Since it's her birthday party. Mainstream birthday party. Come on. Birthday request activated. Birthday request activated. I've really been trying to make sense of this, hey, because, well, what the hell's going on? Why am I selling out 3,000-person auditoriums? I use the stage, let's say, as a opportunity in real time to think. I've been thinking, well, if you're surfing, you don't confuse yourself with the wave. The wave. The wave. That's a real mistake. You might be on top of the wave. This long-form discussion and the public hunger for that is best conceptualized like that. There's a technological revolution. It's a deep one. Online video and audio. Immediately accessible to everyone all over the world. It's turned the spoken word into a tool that has the same reach as the printed word. So it's a Gutenberg revolution in the domain of video and audio. And it might be even deeper than the original Gutenberg revolution because it isn't obvious how many people can read, but lots of people can listen. The wave, the wave, the wave, 
What's up, what's up, what's up, what's up? About to go in. We're about to go in with our special Mini Wave Live. Set! What's up, Selena Marie Gomez? AKA Ill Inc. In the house says, Thank you, Wave Lord. Thank you. Thank you. What up, Lauren Smith? Says, Keep the JVP coming. Thanks for the vibes, Akira. Yo, you already know. We got three more albums coming this year. You already know. You made it happen. You already made it happen, baby. You made it happen. I mean, but we've been planning that out. You know, we've been planning. It's like, how do we even do that? Ah, that's how. We've worked it out. We worked it out. Yeah! That's pretty exciting, you know? Happy birthday, B. Athena. Yeah. All right, all right, we're about to go in. Some people need to smash like. Smash that like! Get FG after it. Guess FG after it. Guess FG after it. I had a letter. I had a great letter, you know. I got some great letters. Shaz has everyone who sends me great letters. And, uh, you know, I'm not going to shout out the people who send me crap letters, you know, because that would be... Why? Why? I had a good letter uh, from uh, Cosmic Kangaroo, I think it was. Was it Cosmic Kangaroo? I think it was Cosmic Kangaroo. Uh, Instead of an update on the uh, neo-psychedelic age, obviously, you know, I was predicting the neo-psychedelic age. uh, Beginning around now, basically, right? I've been predicting that for many years. And... uh, Science of the Neo-Psychedelic Age in Australia. Uh, Cosmic Kangaroo writes, Hi Akira. I won't do an Australian accent because uh, I, I would do it a disservice. He says, G'day mate. No, he didn't. He said, Hi Akira. Uh, some field reporting from the other side of the world of the Psychedelic New Age. February 1st, your proposed date of the Psychedelic New Age. Whilst walking with new colleague in new job, it started to rain and she opened a tie-dye umbrella to shield us. That's very psychedelic thing to occur. That, that's a sign. That sounds like one. Uh, two, almost every time I go to the shops this month, I see a tie-dye shirt or some sort of psychedelic message on it. Today, in one eye, I counted 11 such shirts. Psychedelic science. Three, perhaps most pressingly today, whilst visiting a bookstore, I noticed something I've been tracking for almost two years now. Graham Hancock's books have been moved from the bottom shelf in the conspiracy section to the prime eye level civilizations section. Cosmic Kangaroo concludes, feels like it's happening. Feels like it's happening, happening, happening. Uh, So I'm gonna ask you, we'll do the international high five and then we'll do this wonderful, wonderful set. Uh, Wonderful, wonderful set, an international high five. Tell me. What signs have you seen of the neo-psychedelic age blooming? What signs hast thou witnessed wherever you are? And let me know where you are as well, of course. Of course, I need to know where you are. And where are you and what signs have you witnessed? Lucky train. Yo. Sway says Zom 100. Everyone's talking about Zom today. Is Zom a sign of it? A sign of it? Is Zom a sign? Cody Taylor says feels like it works. 
And Mason says, uh, how about the fact that we're talking about it at all? There you go, that's one. So just says, there's dappled effect. Quite. Uh, yo. Crikey says, Joe Rogan's disciples says we need to hit that DMT, but I'm scared. Who's Joe Rogan's disciples? Is that a person with a username, or are you saying literally the disciples of Joe Rogan say that uh, you need to hit that DMT? You don't need to do nothing. You don't need to do nothing, Cracky Dial, other than be maximum you. You know, you, you, your body produces that DMT naturally anyway, you know what I mean? You ain't gotta smoke nothing. Just be one, do 100% you, you might find it anyway. Andrew Scarborough, I've been thinking about mushrooms a lot lately. Hey, there you go. Full Killer Maryland, only thing I can think of is when Terence McKenna made it into the top 50. That's a sign. That ain't a sign, I don't know what is. Terence McKenna suddenly appears in the top 50? What? After languishing in the, in the lower 150s for, for years? What? What? Robert Easley Lombard here in cannabis shops opening up all over Chicago land. When did that happen? John Hannibal Smith says, I feel it in the force. I still say force. The only reason I say force is I had a teacher at school who used to say force like that. He was the, uh, what was he, the design and technology teacher? He was called Mr. Dunt. He was so well named because he really was a right dunt, you know? He was an absolute dunt, a raging dunt. And uh, most of his lessons, he would just like, I would just walk in there and he, and he, he wouldn't like to look at me or something and he would just send me to the, uh, there was like a room at the back of his class, which is where Gomez, who was the biology teacher, kept all of his jars of pickled fetuses, you know? So I would, I would just get dismissed almost immediately. He just, he just go, he just, he just didn't like to look at my face. He'd go, Narkovich, off you go. All right then. I'll go sit in the room with the jars of pickled fetuses, you know, and draw pictures. Uh, anyway, but to this day, he used to talk about, you know, the force. And he said force like that, you know, whenever I say the word force, I say it in his, his voice. That's how influential people can be on you in your formative years, you know what I mean? It's crazy. Here I am all these decades later saying force because of that dunt. God bless that dunt. I hope he's well. Yeah. Crikey Dallas says, good advice from the Don, you don't need DMT. Well, you don't, do you? I mean, I mean, I suppose if you, if you want to talk to some clockwork elves in three seconds from now, maybe. But I, I imagine if you talk to that Wim Hof fellow, he'd probably have some uh, methods for you to get there uh, by, you know, like sticking your, sticking your balls in a cup of ice or something, you know? There's many ways to skin a cat. Or uh, as Hunter Thompson used to say, you know, there are many rooms in the mansion, you know? Many rooms in the mansion. I think he got that from the Old Testament or something. Uh, talking about God's house, you know. Many rooms in the mansion. Uh, anyway, uh, Robert Easley Lombard here in cannabis shops opening up all over Chicago land. I read that. David Howe. Yeah, man, I've been getting into Wim Hof a bit. Get high in your own supply seems to work. Wonderful. Uh, Selena Marie Gomez, Denver, a bus driver with a Superman hat, wildly colored face, bandana, face tattoos, and an unusual, unusual welcoming demeanor. Unusual welcoming demeanor. Oh my goodness, this beat's amazing. Why haven't I done anything with this? This isn't from my demo beats folder from four years ago. It's called Spaghetti One. This is marvelous. Oh my goodness. Uh, Miranda Alex, his wife and I want that McKenna vinyl. Ooh yeah, that'd be dope. 
Well, there's a question. Who wants more vinyl? Citrus Hedge in the car. Elves are now behaving like trained Rottweilers. B. Athena says, use the force. Mason says, John Hopkins is running FDA-approved psychedelic research. We made it. Amazing. B. Athena says, meditation unlocks DMT. There you go. Neo-Stoicism says, never knew your full name was Akira Malkovich. It isn't. It isn't. But uh, my surname is Narkiewicz. Narkiewicz. Uh, John Hannibal Smith says, Alex Jones doesn't like DMT. Alex Jones doesn't need DMT, does he? He really doesn't. Uh, Nicholas Carter says, yes, please, on the vinyl. Prince Jabrikas says, uh, this beat reminds me of a Western set in 80s Midwest. There you go. Vibes. Shecky Pavel says, we do. Cody Taylor says, vinyl. Andrew says, McKenna vinyl, please. Nicholas Carter says, yes, on the vinyl. So here's the thing. We've been looking into other ways of, you know, getting vinyl because uh, we can, realistically, we can't do too many of those Indiegogo campaigns, you know? Um, they're massive undertakings, you know? So realistically, we could probably only do two or three of those a year. However, there's way more vinyl to be made than that, right? I mean, for example, we have an album coming out this month, right? We've got an album coming out in three weeks, Akira the Don and Graham Hancock. Who would like to have the Graham Hancock and Akira the Don album on vinyl? Show of hands in the chat, please. Cracky Dahl says, I did enough acid to fill a car battery. I thought the house was flying into space. Yeah. <laughs> Mike Better says, all the vinyl. Verily, thine vinyls doth be splendid, says Savage Chill. Cody Taylor says, yes. Accidental Poets in the house says, Alex Jones on DMT would rip a hole in the space-time continuum. Exactly. Selena Marie Gomez says, I would like all the things. Prince Jabrika says, yes. Accidental Poet says, you don't want the, the hole in the space-time continuum. I mean, that's fair. Cody says, shut up and take my money. Uh, Bradford White says, is Graham the one who did Egypt, oh Egypt, indeed. Uh, the one whose song we played at the beginning of the show. Prince Jabrika says, Graham Hancock Vinyl. Andrew Komaromi says, if you make stuff, we will buy stuff. B. Athena says, the beginning of the return to vinyls. John McGovey says, if you don't make stuff. So, therefore, I've been thinking, uh, we'll, we'll, we've been looking into the possibility of, uh, of making vinyl available for the albums. You know, it wouldn't be like a big fancy thing like the Indiegogo, like, oh, you know, big colored, amazing, um, you know, bells and whistly campaign thing. But making all the, all the vinyl available on vinyl, all the albums available on vinyl, you know, in classic, classic, you know, uh, peak quality vinyl. And then, you know, on the campaigns, we can do like super special things like action figures, I guess. Cody says, make stuff so we can buy stuff, please. D-Man wants more wormholes. Chris Champagne says, can never have enough vinyl. <laughs> so some of you would like to be able to get the new, the, uh, the Hancock album on vinyl, huh? Clayton Ho says, what's Wave 2 on vinyl? Well, yes. Everything on vinyl, obviously. Everything on vinyl. Everything on vinyl. But what I was thinking was one way we could begin to get everything on vinyl 
would be to sort of do it as we go along. So new album comes out, we make it available on vinyl. Um, anyway, just a thought, just a thought. D-Man wants the Alan Watts action figured. Yes, please. That is uh, something we're very excited to be, uh, you know, making happen. ASAP. ASAP. All right, all right, all right. Three, two, one. Cody Taylor says Amazon Prime now. What does that mean? What does that mean? I understand that statement. Shout out to everybody looked in. Meditate on that. And while you meditate on that, let's get after it, baby. Let's get after it, baby. Special meaning wave life set. Reconstruction. I think that you could get glimpses of heaven and glimpses of hell. I think that you can see people who live in hell. You can walk down the street and see them. For them, it's eternal because their pain is so overwhelming that it feels like it will last forever. It's also something that can engulf everyone and has. Is there a metaphysical reality to it beyond that? I suspect so, but I don't know. I think that. The heaven-like experience pointers to the way that things could be. And we don't know how things could be if we really got our acts together. We don't know. We spend a lot of time in our fallen condition, wasting time, being resentful, working counterproductively, hurting other people, and cursing fate itself. Even doing all that, we've managed to make societies that are pretty functional and decent. We spend 100% of our time working towards the good, instead of 50% of our time, or perhaps 51%. God only knows what we can bring about. And the sky's the limit. And then once we reach the limit of the sky, the sky beyond that would then be the limit and so on and so forth and so i think that heaven exists and that we can produce it but we're not going to do that by changing the behavior of other people i think that heaven exists and that we can produce it we can produce that 
to do that by changing the behavior of other people. itself to us is literally and not metaphorically complex beyond our capacity to understand and that means people deal in a real sense on an ongoing basis with the infinite 
That fact is the reason why religious experience is essentially endemic to mankind. It's a human universal, and it's not because people believe. Human existence consists of the confrontation between the finite and the infinite. The finite and the infinite. Human existence consists of the confrontation between the finite and the infinite. The finite and the infinite. Human existence consists of the confrontation between the finite and the infinite. The finite and the infinite. Human existence consists of the confrontation between the finite and the infinite. The finite and the infinite. And religious systems merely take that into account. Now, our finitude in the face of the infinite has some inevitable consequences. Those consequences are essentially the existential conditions of life. The finite is always overwhelmed by the infinite. It has to be because it can't encapsulate it. And so what that means is the suffering is central to the nature of human existence. got to be oriented towards something because otherwise you're disoriented you just spin around in circles and then you suffer and so do people around you it's not a good solution orient yourself towards something you have to figure out what it is what will work for you what goal would would justify the suffering of your life start trying to piece that together you're going to get better at it but it's a personal process, so you need a personal place to stand because otherwise you're going to be handed a place to stand on a plate. And it may be one that, that makes you a puppet of someone else's goals. So I would say, you know, I, 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 what, are the, what are the processes? Well, I think what I've recommended to people is clean up your room. Clean up your room. Clean up your room. That's a good start. Organize your local landscape. Schedule your time. Start taking control of yourself. See if you can stop saying things you know to be lies. That's not the same as telling the truth. You don't get to do that to begin with because you're not good enough at it to even attempt it in some sense. But everyone can stop saying things they know to be falsehoods. Stop saying things that violate your conscience. Here's another idea. Stop saying and doing things that make you feel weak. Because all you have to do is pay attention to that. Some things you do will make you feel disintegrated. It's a physiological sensation. Some things improve your integrity and some things disintegrate you. Now, the things that disintegrate you, you often do to impress other people. Or because you're taking a shortcut or you're escaping what you know to be your moral obligation. And your moral obligation stems naturally from your aims. And if you don't have an aim, well then, you're aimless. So that's not a solution. So along with the aims come the moral obligations. Then when you violate the moral obligations, you'll have a sense of that violation. It's like, well, you have to stop doing that. Or, or that's something you could do. You don't have to. You don't have to do any of this. But I would say that's where, where people should start. You start small. Clean up your room. Clean up your room. Get that higher self working.
How does it make any difference to what you do and what you think? I know all kinds of people who've got this higher self going, practicing their yoga, but they're just like ordinary people. Sometimes a little worse. And uh, they can fool themselves. For example, well, my point of view in religion is very liberal. I believe that all religions have divine revelation in them. But I don't understand the way you people will fight about it. You fight and say that uh, we, Jehovah's Witnesses, have the real religion. Others say, well, we Roman Catholics have it. And the Muslims say, no, it is in the Quran. And this is the right way. This is the right way. the reason why you aren't 
We aren't better because we want to be. Because the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Because all the do-gooders in the world, whether they're doing good for others or doing it for themselves, are troublemakers. Troublemakers. On the basis that kindly let me help you or you'll drown, said the monkey, pulling the fish safely up a tree. Kindly let me help you or you'll drown, said the monkey, pulling the fish safely up a tree. Kindly let me help you or you'll drown, said the monkey, pulling the fish safely up a tree. Kindly let me help you or you'll drown, said the monkey, pulling the fish safely up a tree. that if you want to change the world you start from yourself and work outward work outward work outward my sense is that if you want to change the world you start from yourself and work outward work outward work outward because you build your competence that way like I don't know how you can go out and protest the structure of the entire economic system if you can't keep your room organized. Yeah, isn't that an issue with people though that they always want to enact some sort of control over the outside world when their inside is all fucked up? My sense is that if you want to change the world, you start from yourself and work outward. Work outward. Work outward. Sense is that if you want to change the world, you start from yourself and work outward. Work outward. Work outward. I think there's some truth in that. I think there is truth in that. I mean, people try to change the outside world for lots of ways, but many of those ways aren't just pure good. I was trying to produce something that was a counter position to this idea that what you should do is go out and fix up other people. You know, that's just not right. My sense is that if you want to change the world, you start from yourself and work outward. Work outward. Work outward. My sense is that if you want to change the world, you start from yourself and work outward. Work outward. Work outward. Work out with me anyway, what's on the sun? Work out. Make some noise to yourself. What up, Peter Phoenix is from within. Exactly. Life works from the inside out. We white Anglo-Saxon Protestants, British, German, American, have been on a rampage for the past hundred or more years to improve the world. We have given the benefits of our culture, our religion, our technology to everybody, except perhaps the Australian Aborigines. And we have insisted that they receive the benefits of our culture, even our political styles, our democracy. You had better be democratic. Having conferred these blessings all over the place, we wonder why everybody hates us. See, because sometimes doing good to others 
and even doing good to oneself is amazingly destructive because it's full of conceit. geneticists not so long ago where they gathered in a group of philosophers and theologians and said now look here we need help we now are on the verge of figuring out how to breed any kind of human character we would want to have we can give you saints philosophers scientists great politicians anything you want just tell us what kind of human beings ought we to breed so I said, how will those of us who are genetically unregenerate make up our minds what genetically generate people might be? Because I'm afraid very much that our selection of virtues may not work. It may be like, for example, this new kind of high yield grain, which is becoming ecologically destructive. interfere with the processes of nature and breed efficient plants and efficient animals. There's always some way in which we have to pay for it. And I can well see that eugenically produced human beings might be dreadful. We could have a plague of virtuous people. You realize that? in itself is virtuous, does its thing, but in crowds they're awful. Like a crowd of ants or locusts on the rampage. They're all perfectly good animals, but it's just too much. I could imagine a perfectly pestiferous mass of a million saints. How do you know what's good for other people? How do you know what's good for you? If you say you want to improve, you ought to know what's good for you. But obviously you don't. Because if you did, you would be improved. How do you know what's good for other people? How do you know what's good for you? If you say you want to improve, you ought to know what's good for you. But obviously you don't. If you did, you would be improved. Make some noise for Alan Watts. That's when the album has to be a better person. 
It's like the other side of the conversation from JPP Wave Aesthetic. Another didactic little story. There are these two uh, guys sitting together in a bar in the remote Alaskan wilderness. One of the guys is religious, the other's an atheist, and the two are arguing about the existence of God with that special intensity that comes after about the fourth beer. And the atheist says, look, it's not like I don't have actual reasons for not believing in God. It's not like I haven't ever experimented with the whole God and prayer thing. Just last month, I got caught away from camp in that terrible blizzard, and I was totally lost, and I couldn't see a thing, and it was 50 below. And so I tried it. I fell to my knees in the snow and cried out, oh God, if there is a God, I'm lost in this blizzard, and I'm going to die if you don't help me. And now, in the bar, the religious guy looks at the atheist all puzzled. Well, then you must believe now, he says. After all, here you are. Alive. The atheist just rolls his eyes. No, man, all that was was a couple Eskimos happened to come wandering by and they showed me the way back to camp. It's easy to run the story through a kind of standard liberal arts analysis. The exact same experience can mean two totally different things to two different people given those people's two different belief templates and two different ways of constructing meaning from experience. Experience. Meaning from experience. Because we prize tolerance and diversity of belief, nowhere in our liberal arts analysis do we want to claim that one guy's interpretation is true and the other guy's is false or bad. Which is fine, except we also never end up talking about just where these individual templates and beliefs come from, meaning where they come from inside the two guys. As if a person's most basic orientation toward the world and the meaning of his experience were somehow just hardwired, like height or shoe size, or automatically absorbed from a culture like language. As if how we construct meaning were not actually a matter of personal, intentional choice. Plus there's the matter of arrogance. guy is so totally certain in his dismissal of the possibility that the passing Eskimos had anything to do with his prayer for help. True, there are plenty of religious people who seem arrogantly certain of their own interpretations too. They're probably even more repulsive than atheists. At least to most of us. Religious dogmatist problem is exactly the same as the story's unbeliever. Blind certainty. A closed-mindedness that amounts to an imprisonment so total that the prisoner doesn't even know he's locked up. The point here is that I think this is one part of what teaching me how to think. 
Wave, this is what's wave. One of them rare meaning wave gems, baby. If you're feeling heroic and you want to do something for the world, if you want to expand what you understand, you poke your head through what you know when you take a look at the at whatever structure is out there. And to me, this is a recreation of the Taoist yin-yang symbol. You know, with the, the, the white paisley here, and that's what you know, and the dark paisley serpents there, and the right place to be is right on the line between them. Go one foot where you understand, that gives you security, but it's kind of dull because, hey, you know everything that's going on there, and that isn't what people are like. They don't want just security. Dostoevsky said, I love this. You gave people everything they wanted. They had nothing to eat but cake and nothing to do but sit in warm pools and busy themselves with the continuation of the species. The first thing they would do, well, maybe after the first week, was go kind of half insane and smash everything up just so that something that they didn't expect would happen so that they'd have something interesting to do. And it's so right because the utopian notion that if you just had all the material stuff you wanted that you'd, you'd be... What would you be? What would you do? Well, what would you be? What would you do? What would you be? What would you do? Well, what would you be? What would you do? You just sit on the couch and, and watch TV. I mean, you'd, you'd, you'd be, I don't know what, you'd be cutting yourself just for entertainment in no time flat, you know, and that's the sort of thing that people do. So we're not adapted for security and utopia. We're adapted for a certain amount of security because, you know, we are vulnerable, but mostly we want to have one foot out where we don't know what the hell is going on because that's where you're alert and alive and, and tense and with it. 
I believe this, and I believe it actually has something to do with the hemispheric structure of the physiology of your brain. The right hemisphere looks roughly adapted to what you don't know, and the left hemisphere is adapted to the world that you do know. And the right place for you to be is halfway between them. You can tell that, that's what's so cool. What would you be? What would you do? We're not adapted for security and utopia. Well, what would you be? What would you do? Mostly we want to have one foot out where we don't know what the hell is going on. What would you be? And you want to be out there in the unknown enough so that you keep updating yourself. Well, what would you be? What would you do? That's where you're alert and alive. That's where you're alert and alive. That's the place you want to be, baby. Akira. And what's on the other side? Whoa! Okay, I'm gonna say the exact opposite of what the world, today's world, is saying. So we read a bunch of books nowadays. As humans, we, we want to find out how to be someone else. What we don't do is we don't go inside. So literally turn yourself inside out. Like we're writing a book every day of our lives. But we never read that book. You have to look inside of yourself to see what you really want. What are you passionate about? We use these words and these little phrases of only the strong survive and all this other crap. They're all just fucking words. I get so tired of hearing people just talking. Like right now, someone may think, God is just talking. <laughs> you don't know me. So when I speak, I speak from passion. I speak from experience. I speak from suffering. I speak from suffering. The only way you're ever going to get to the other side of this journey is you have got to suffer. To grow. To grow, you must suffer. I speak from suffering. Some people will get it, and some people won't. Some people get it, and some people won't. But they have to see what their journey is to start their journey. Some people get it, and some people won't. Several people live to be 100 years old, and they have great lives. And they have great kids, and kids go to college, and all sorts of stuff. But somewhere in their life, there was a point where they had a decision to make. They can go left or right on this path. They can go left or right on this path. Right was a hard route. A lot of people take the easy route. And they had a good life that way, but the better life was going to the right side. And you may have 20 years of pain and suffering to get past it, but a lot of us die never truly starting our journey. And you gotta start your journey. It may suck, but it will. Come out the other side where you're coasting. I speak from suffering. I speak from suffering. The only way you're ever going to get to the other side of this journey is you have got to suffer. 
Shouts out to that cool Canadian dad. What's up, baby? Neurology knows relatively little about the brain, which is only to say that the brain is a lot smarter than neurology. Yet there is this, which can perform all these extraordinary intellectual and cultural miracles. We don't know how we do, but we did. We didn't have some campaign to have an improved brain over the monkeys or whatever may be our ancestors. It happens. And all growth, you see, is fundamentally something that happens. But for it to happen, 
two things are important. Well, the first is, as I said, you must have the technical ability to express what happens. Secondly, you must get out of your own way. Yeah! The great, great things, things that you do are really, really happenings. The great things that you do are really happenings. For example, no great, great genius can explain how he does it. The great things that you do are really
indifferent. Is it loving indifference? Hey, hey, loving indifference. We're speaking about awareness. Loving indifference is a meaning to the words true and false, right and wrong. Loving indifference. We're speaking about awareness. Loving indifference. The qualities. We're speaking about awareness. If we talk about mind, that's a different matter. Because mind's experience is always divided into polarities. Good and bad, right and wrong, true and false. And at the level of mind, those categories are valid. They don't pertain to consciousness. Consciousness doesn't know the difference between good and bad. There is no good and bad or right or wrong. But when consciousness assumes the form of mind, it divides itself into two. And at that level, there are differences. There are distinctions. And there is a meaning to the words. We're speaking about awareness. There is a meaning to the words true and false, right and wrong. Nothing indifferent. We're speaking about awareness. Nothing indifferent. The qualities that are inherent in our nature. In terms of ethics, what is right and what is wrong? I would suggest what is right at the level of the mind is behavior that expresses the qualities that are inherent in our true nature. Another name for awareness is love. So behavior that is loving is an expression of the inherent quality of our true nature. The inherent quality of our true nature. Nothing indifferent. We're speaking about awareness. Nothing indifferent. There is a meaning to the words true and false, right and wrong. Nothing indifferent. We're speaking about awareness.
Z makes some noise. That's the Kira the Don of Rupert Spira from that Mini Wave Masterpieces 2 LP. That's one of my favorites right there, I gotta say. Yo! Make some noise, baby! So amazing, he says, never heard of Rupert Spira before now. Very cool. Yo. Therefore, take no thought for the Go look up Rupert Spira. You will not be disappointed. Unto the day That's the beautiful man right there. The evil thereof. I spent a long time trying to figure out what that meant, too. Because it's Aye. another one of those lines that can easily be read as pro grasshopper and anti ant. Remember the old fable of the grasshopper and the ant? Maybe not. I'm not going to tell it. But the ant works and the grasshopper fiddles. The ant has a pretty good time in the winter and the grasshopper dies. And so this is like a pro grasshopper line. But it's not. It says something else. It says that if you orient yourself properly and then pay attention to what you do every day, that works. That works. That works. What around sound? That works. And you can live in the day. You're a creature that has a You have to have a name. That makes everyone super judge of meaning. Live in the day. To have an aim. In order to do something, you're, you're an aiming creature. creature. You look at a point and you move towards it. It's built right into you. Aye. And so you have an aim. Well, let's say your aim is the highest possible aim. That sets up the world around you. It organizes all of your perception, what you see and you don't see, your emotions and your motivation. So you organize yourself around that aim, and then what happens? The day itself as a set of challenges and problems. And if you solve them properly, you stay on the pathway towards that aim. And you can concentrate on the day. And so that way, you get to have your cake and eat it too. Mm. Because you can point into the distance. The it's far distance. distance. You can point, point into, into the, the distance. distance. The far the distance. distance. And you can live in the day. You're a creature that has an aim. You have to have an aim. It makes every moment super clutch of meaning. Live in the day. You're a creature that has an aim. You have to have an aim. It makes every moment super clutch of meaning. Yo! If everything that you're doing is related to the highest possible aim that you can conceptualize, that's the very definition of the meaning that would sustain you in your life. Well, and then the issue is back to Noah. Well, all hell's about to break loose and chaos is coming. It's like when that's happening in your life, you might want to be doing something that you regard as truly worthwhile. Because that's what will keep you afloat when everything is flooded. And you don't want to wait until the flood comes and start doing that. Because if your ark's half built and you don't know how to captain it, the probability is very high that you'll drown. Just right now, flood the chat by joke. That aim. 
reconstruction. It isn't merely that your fate depends on whether or not you get your act together and to what degree you decide that you're going to live out your own genuine being. It isn't only your fate. It's the fate of everyone that you're networked with. There's seven billion people in the world, and who are you? You're just one little dust moat among that seven billion, and so it really doesn't matter what you do or don't do, but that's simply not the case. It's the wrong model, because you're at the center of a network. You're a node in a network. You're a node in a network. You're a node in a network. You'll know a thousand people at least over the course of your life. And they'll know a thousand people. And that puts you one person away from a million, and two persons away from a billion. And so that's how you're connected. And the things you do, they're like dropping a stone in a pond. The ripples move outward, and they affect things in ways that you can't fully comprehend. And it means that the things that you do and you don't do are far more important than you think. They have no responsibility. So that's the payoff, and I actually think that's the motivation. Say, well, I can't help being nihilistic. All my belief systems have collapsed. It's like, yeah, maybe. Maybe you just allowed them to collapse because it's a hell of a lot easier than acting them out. And the price you pay is some meaningless suffering, but you can always whine about that and people will feel sorry for you. And you have the option of taking the pathway of the martyr, so that's a pretty good deal, all things considered. Especially when the alternative is to bear your burden properly and to live 
forthrightly in the world. If you live a pathological life, you pathologize your society. And if enough people do that, then... It's, it's hell. hell. Really. 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 The things that you do and you don't do it far more important than you think. More important than you think. Far more important than you think. The things that you do and you don't do it far more important than you think. Far more important than you.
fix up the things you can fix up. Get good at it. And see what you can bring about. And if enough people did that, God only knows what we could produce, man. Who knows? What are the limitations of a human being? We have no idea. We keep transcending our limitations constantly. I think that heaven exists and that we can produce it. Produce it. But we're not going to do that by changing the behavior of other people. Of other people. I think that heaven exists and that we can produce it. We can produce it. But we're not going to do that by changing the behavior of other people. Of other people. exists and we can produce it we can produce it we're not gonna do that by changing the behavior of other people I think that heaven exists and we can produce it we can produce it we're not gonna do that by changing the behavior of other people Heaven exists and we can produce it. We can produce it. Not gonna do that by changing the behavior of other people. I think that heaven exists and we can produce it. We can produce it. We're not gonna do that by changing the behavior of other people. He makes noise. I've been reading <coughs> recently. Oh boy. A great many medieval works. And Bringing it home. Particularly in the Arthurian romance. Joseph. Knights in combat with each other. Fiercely in combat. Whoa. With complete respect for each other. Even love for each other. And there's one wonderful line in Wolfram von Eschenbach. When two brothers who didn't know they were brothers were in combat. One was a Christian and the other was a Mohammedan. They were in combat. And Voltam says, if one wished to think of it that one that way, one could say that they were two battling. But they had the same father and they are one. And they are one. Hey. Battling himself. But that's the tragic sense. As I say, life begins, and that's the first thing the eye sees. Life eating itself, killing. But that's life, and the reconciliation of consciousness which revolts from this to that and its affirmation that is the song of mythology it has been it's the song of the religion and with that little affirmative theme the affirmation of life as it I would say we have the key to the hopping up the stepping up the invigorating of life which 
actually the first function of mythology from the time the old cavemen asked the bear to give his body to their life.
It got cut with a sword at Chancellorsville. Got cut again at Shiloh Hill. There was Robert E. Lee, Beauregard, and Bragg, and the south wind blew hard on that ragged old flag. Flanders Fields in World War One. She took a bad hit from a Bertha gun. She turned blood red in World War Two. She hung limp and low by the time that one was through. She was in Korea, Vietnam. She went where she was sent by her Uncle Sam. The Native American Indians, the blacks, the yellow, the white, all shed red blood with stars and stripes. And in her own good land here, she's been abused. She's been burned, dishonored, denied, refused. And the very government for which she stands is scandalized throughout the land. And she's getting threadbare. She's wearing kind of thin. But she's in good shape for the shape she's in. Because she's been through the fire before. And she can take a whole lot more. Slowly every night, we don't let her touch the ground and we fold her upright. On second thought, I guess I do like to brag. Cause I'm mighty proud of that ragged old flag. Ragged old flag. There you have it, baby. <clears throat> that was Meanie Wave Live Reconstruction. Finishing right there with a very rare cut. Ragged old flag. Featuring Johnny Cash. Which I, I put together for uh, the 4th of July celebrations here at the MAZ last year. That one always brings the tears to my eye, you know, it's impossible. It is impossible for me to hear that without uh, being overwhelmed with a sense of, sense of deep uh, gratitude. And uh, yeah, that's the main thing, gratitude, you know, for so many things, so many things, for the miracle of, a, you know, this miracle of a society that we uh, were left by our ancestors, uh, for incredible talents like Johnny Cash, who, who, who walked amongst us and blessed us with, with that. Uh, without such of the divine, you know, for all of this, for this this thing right here that we have, that we share, that we get to do every day, and for you, specifically you, you who are here and you could be anywhere else, and here you are, sharing your life with the world and with us, you know. So I'm grateful every day, baby. And then sometimes I do things like listen to a song like that, and that 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 like increases it even more, you know. That just pumps it up. You know, that's like steroids for gratitude by Joe. So thank you. Thank you for being here. Right now, at this junction, 
this incredible moment in the human story where you could have been anywhere else like you could be anywhere else tonight but like in the in like with regards to this actual lifetime you could have been anywhere else like in a, in a macro sense you know yeah here you are here you are and here we are this is mass <laughs> Big shout out to everyone who's been here tonight. Thank you to everyone who supported. Thank you, Selena Marie Gomez. Thank you, Lawrence Smith. Thank you, that cool Canadian dad. Thank you, Casey. Welcome, Chris Van Houten, to the channel. Shout out to all the members. If you want to support the wave, that's one thing you could do. You could become a member of the channel, you could become a member of the Patreon. You could go to meaningwave.com and you could get yourself a fine outfit like this one. Look at this fine outfit. Look at this. This fine, like, uh, look at this. I mean, how would you even describe this? It's just beautiful. This, like, uh, you know what I mean? This lemon sorbet tracksuit of glory. It is so cozy. It's so comfy. It is so choice. Meaningwave.com. Uh, we also got uh, donation links there if you want to donate. If you want to send us all your Bitcoin. Elon, if you're out there, you're, I know you just spent a billion and a half on Bitcoin. You want to chuck some of that our way? We got a link at meaningwave.com in the resources tab. Of course we do. Of course we do. Epic week ahead of us. Tomorrow it's Meaning Crisis and Chill. You know, we got a new single coming this week with Graham Hancock and Akira the Don. Brand new from the album. From the album. The War on Consciousness. And we'll see uh, what we can do about getting that on vinyl. I mean, we asked, do you, do you would you, would, ha, I would say, show of hands, who would like to be able to get the new Graham Hancock and Akira the Dawn album on vinyl? Who would like, who would like that? Uh, show of hands. Uh, speaking of show of hands. I mean, that's not a very good segue, but happy birthday, be Athena. Thank you for being here, be Athena, on this most blessed of days. We're glad you're here. Shouts out to you. Shouts out to, uh, you know, the uh, the humans that birthed you. You know, well, the human that birthed you and the other human that was involved in that process. Shouts out to them. Shouts out to your direct ancestral lineage. Uh, we're glad you're here. Yo! What up, House Palmer? What up, Knifey? What up, Shecky? What up, Joshua? What up, Multiverse Media Space? What up, Cindy? Shouts out to the whole crew. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow, 7 a.m. CT, on the TWITCH. YouTube Hero Alex, do you have the uh, wheel spinning capability? Whoa! Amanda says, no, he go. <laughs> yeah, he go. He do. He do. Wait, did that just spin and I didn't even see it spin? It did, didn't it? And just as it did, look what happened with the visuals. It span and it said synthwave. And then look at the visuals. Look what just happened. Look at that. That's magical. That's magical right there. Wow. What a science to be alive. We'll be back then and you can join us tomorrow morning for a synthwave special. On the Meaning Wave Morning Show at the Club of Meaning. The wheel has have declared it so. 
the wheel hath declared it so, and so hath the visuals. Uh, Synthwave is where we are going. Tomorrow morning. There you go, baby. We'll see you tomorrow morning. Tomorrow morning, it's still be Athena's birthday week. Hurrah! Good news. I'm going to get out of here. Uh, if you guys want to carry on, uh, you know, chilling, we've got a Discord. You can go chill in the Discord, and we've got Meaning Wave Radio 24-7 over on the second channel, I do believe. Yeah! Three, two, one, bye! See you tomorrow morning for that Synthwave special. It's special.